0: Well, good morning, everybody. Thanks for joining us early. We're waltzing our way through Mark. Um, I keep thinking, this is the shortest gospel. Why, why is this taking so long? But we're, we're trying to take a deep bite into a very heavy, Teaching Jesus gave that shocked the disciples. I mean, Jesus sort of changed hats. It's a, a passage that gets preached on a lot, but I'm not sure we, we, we really delve deep into it. So we, we, we sort of laid out some stuff last week. We'll, we'll try to bring it back, but let me, let me show you a photo uh, from Mount, Mount Nebo in Jordan. This is where uh, Moses saw the promised land for the first time. And the last time. So he, he dies there. So is it, is it there? It should be the first two photos. There it is. Alright. So there, there's sort of a panoramic view. So this is just across the border uh, from Israel in Jordan. It's a Christian site. Uh, this is sort of the memorial. So can we go back to the, the first picture? So that's a little, little clearer. So, What the heck is that thing?
1: Is that to look at this snake so you can survive the snake bites? Yes.
0: Yes. Yes. If you weren 't here last week you 're like, "Oh wow, they were smoking dope, and this is really weird, right? What the heck is that? I mean, if you went in your teenager 's room and saw that, you 'd call the counselor right I mean that 's like the devil 's cross or something what What is that? Um, so they're they 're trying to make a cross, obviously, um, like I say it 's a Christian site but they're also doing the story of the bronze serpent that we're going to go through again in in just a second. But as strange and bizarre as that is, this is exactly what Jesus is doing in the passage in Mark. When he says, "I will be lifted up on a pole," now we translate that I will be lifted up on a cross, which is not an incorrect translation. It just doesn't get this sort of side of the story. Uh, so you have uh, a sign of your affliction becoming the sign of your salvation. Her, yeah. The
1: vertical part of that is supposed to be a chain or is it a wood like?
0: yeah it's they're trying to fuse pole um with uh cross uh so I think they were just trying to show difference in uh um, the the serpent body and all of that so yeah yeah so uh this is our new logo by the way i'm kidding. kidding. <laughs> Can you imagine? Oh look at this new church. Oh, they worship the devil. You know? <laughs> no, no, it's it's biblical, I promise. So anyway, um let's flip over to Numbers twenty-one. We'll pick up in verse twenty-six. So Numbers twenty-one verse six. Well, no, I should back up I guess to four. So Numbers 21, verse 4. Then the people of Israel set out from Mount Hor, taking the road to the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. But the people grew impatient along the way and they began to murmur against God and Moses. Why have you brought us out of Egypt to die here in the wilderness? They complained. There is nothing to eat here and nothing to drink. And we hate this wretched manna. Okay, when God cooks for you, don't complain. Shut your mouth. That that was our rule when Jason was growing up. You know, if Dad cooks, you can't say anything because Dad can't cook. It's a special thing. But the upside is my son's a great cook now because he couldn't stand my cooking. So uh, if Mom doesn't cook, Jason does. But uh, obviously, uh, the people are in a horrible place. Um, God is trying to teach them how to live as free people. And they can't do it. They they want to go back to slavery because it's what they knew. So the Lord sent poisonous snakes among them. Do you have any other translations? Fire. That's actually a really good translation. Um, that's really really good. The word here is seraph, plural seraphim. Um, So again, this is what we sing about at Christmas, the cherubim and the seraphim. Um, These are the highest rank of angels. Uh, It's crazy sounding, I know, but they uh, understood the closest angel to God to be a creature in a serpent form. Uh, This fiery serpent is exactly a, a, a really, really good translation. So they're, they're doing this play on words here that it's both a seraph, the snake that bites you, but it's also in a few minutes going to be uh, something heavenly. Um, to chase one quick rabbit, um, this is the reason the devil is a serpent in the garden. And most of the time we miss that. We know the story, but we don't put it together. He was a what before he f- He was an angel, Um, so that's what they're saying to you. He is a a seraph, but he now has no wings; he crawls on his belly. Um, So, a a lot of a lot of uh, subtext here. But so, um, fiery serpents is really good, among others, um, among them, and many of them were bitten and died. Then the people came to Moses and cried out, We have sinned by speaking against the Lord and against you. Pray that the Lord will take away uh, the snakes. So Moses prayed to the people. And this is where it gets weird. Then the Lord uh, told him, Make a replica of a fiery serpent and attach it to the top of a pole. Those who are bitten will live if they simply look at it. So Moses made a snake out of bronze and attached it to the top of a pole. Whenever those who were bitten looked at the bronze snake, they recovered. And this actually becomes a a very sacred relic. It will end up at a temple. And it'll be there for for centuries. Uh, we have reference all the way in Kings that they still have this uh, this bronze serpent on a pole. So again, bizarre uh, story, messing with what we imagine uh, to be normal. Snakes bad, uh, but here it's it's this weird combination. And just to uh, Really ground ourselves. Let's look one more time at John 3.16, where Jesus is very clear that he's channeling this. So again, John 3.16, the most <clears throat> probably familiar New Testament, <clears throat> excuse me, verse, um, right behind the most ignored uh, verse in all of Probably the Gospels. So, two verses before John three fourteen, Jesus trying to explain this crucifixion, and as Moses lifted up the bronze snake on a pole in the wilderness, so I, the Son of Man, and this is really important that title he's using there, Son of Man, must be lifted up on a pole so that everyone who believes in me will have eternal life. So the word pole there is staros, which we talked about last time, and it really means pole. It's the old Greek word for when they impaled you. By modern usage, we'll say in the first century, it can mean a cross, because that's what they were calling it. But when we immediately go to cross, then we sort of miss this pole idea. So you see a little inconsistency in translation. Here, they say pole. But when we go back to Mark, which is probably where we need to go. Um, so Mark chapter 8, we'll translate that as Cross. So all of this extra scripture so we can get this one back to Mark chapter 8 verse 34 Then he called his disciples and the crowds to come over and listen If any of you want to be my follower he told them you must put aside your own selfish ambition selfish ambition shoulder your cross and that's really nonsense. Um, It's be lifted up on a pole and follow me. If you try to keep your life for yourself, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will find true life. So let me stop there. What is this stuff that he's talking about if you want to save your life You've got to give up your life. What? It's it's your soul. But in the context of all that we've done, what what is he? What is he trying to lay out there? This is hmm?
1: sin.
0: Yeah. So, what is our sin?
1: Being worldly, not godly.
0: Yeah. So, think about the bronze serpent. What was the? What was the sin? Trusting God, not trusting God. Right. So they didn't trust that God would lead them. So in a sense, their sin took form as a serpent that bit them. And God, like a you know, parent training a dog that wets in the house, what you stick the nose in the you know, where the dog wets it. In a sense, he's saying, look at what you have done. The serpent has come because of what you did. What we are going to do is kill God. And so our place of salvation is looking at that. I mean, do do you get that? I mean, do you see how deep that really is? Um, That we raise up on a pole our greatest collective failure from the garden to the crucifixion. We have not trusted God. We are willing to kill, to murder, to do unimaginable things so we get it our way. And Jesus wants us to look it straight in the face and say, if you continue to head down this road where your life is about what you can take, you can do, you can fight, you can push and shove, and then it's just going to lead to your death. But if you can stop for a minute, look into the face of the evil that you have done, the real depths of the evil that you have done, and turn your back on it, die to it, then there's life. Again, the disciples would have grown up, again, memorizing Scripture. Uh, So they would have known the stories. Um, So Jesus confused them in a powerful new way that we've got to catch up with. But how easy is it to stare in the face of our own sins? I don't know. There's something about having kids, right? Where you see your own failings, pass on hopefully some of your own successes right uh, but that's that that's a hard place to go and realize man i got to get that out of me and try to help them get it out of them but it also works on a you know salvation level
1: so does the Pole with the snake bronze serpent on it still play a role in Hebrew life?
0: Uh, Not anymore. Well, yes, it does. It does. Um, Eventually, it got out of hand, and uh, they have to destroy it. It's it's a whole other story because people end up worshiping it. And it, it gets to be a problem, so um, they they actually end up tearing it down. But yes, um, a Jew will know what you're talking about with this. Um,
1: but... So in the Numbers story, God doesn't remove the torment; snakes stay, but He gives them a means of healing. Right in our life. He does not remove our sin nature in
0: this life, right? But he gives us a solution. Yes, Kurt. I mean, that's that's brilliant. That's exactly what Jesus is trying to to to, to get him to go. You know, well, broken clocks are right twice a day. So
1: I got one more coming.
0: But death still comes. Uh, sin is still an option for us. Like you say, the snakes are still all around. We can gripe and uh, sort of endure the poison of that. Or we can look up on a pole um, to which our salvation comes from and try to give up our life, our way. Now, please understand, whoa, the disciples are like, what? what? Uh, what I mean, I, I get the poll, um, but you're going you're to die? You're going to be crucified? And then look, look at verse 36. Um, and how do you benefit if you gain the whole world, but lose your own soul in the process? So if the life is just the way you wanted, you were the god of your own world, then nothing. You're you're just sitting in a like Indiana Jones in a pit of snakes. If a person is ashamed of me and my message in these adulterous and sinful days, I the Son of Man will be ashamed of that person when I return in the glory of my Father with my holy angels. So what is he talking about? He shifted gears here. What moment is he talking about? Second Coming and Judgment Day. Judgment Day. So we've we've kind of skirted around this, but he's he's changed hats. He's not Rabbi from Nazareth. He's not miracle worker. He's not prophet. He is going to this place where he is the Son of Man. So forgive me for repeating, but this is a huge component. You need to understand this out of Daniel. Remember the story of Daniel. Daniel, like John in Revelation, sees the end of the world. The end of the world is Judgment Day. Everybody that has been alive is judged at the same time and same place. So this is when the books are opened. This is when the throne of God is laid out. So Daniel sees this vision, and it's it's amazing. I mean, he says there are hundreds of millions of angels. It's people beyond counting. It's just it, it's incredible. He sees the throne of God. He can he sees that God is there, but he can't really see God. It's such a bright, powerful light. It's it sort of burns him up. Um, but as he looks into it, and I'm, I'm condensing this this greatly, as he looks into it, he sees this shadow, uh, this figure of a man. And so at this point, the Hebrews are speaking Aramaic. So he says in Aramaic, bar Enosh, I see uh, one unto like a man. Uh, son of man Uh, bar it's it's same in aramaic as hebrew enosh is one of the words they use for people so this was a huge shock for the hebrews the israelites how can there be two people by the throne of god there cannot be there's only ever been one god so they begin this quest for how are there two powers in heaven they say How can there be two? So this this figure, this son of man, they start to call him, has been even greater than the Messiah. Now, as crazy as this sounds, they don't necessarily associate the Messiah with the son of man. That's a whole different Bible study. But they know the son of man is some incredible divine being. Now, some say it's an angel. They argue. Some say it's Elijah, blah, blah, blah. But... Jesus is saying, I am that figure. And judgment day, I will be the one standing there. Now, of course, we Christians know this is true. You know, every knee shall bow, every tongue confess. I mean, this, this is it. And what he's doing for the disciples is this sort of comparison. If you don't look at the bronze serpent, if you don't look in the face of your sin and give up your life, then judgment will go against you because you will have lost that true calling of humanity to give up yourself so that you can be who God made you to be.
1: Who would the disciples have been
0: on the subject of afterlife? that's a really, really good question. I We probably should have talked about this more. So most Jews don't believe in afterlife. We talked about that. Like the Sadducees just flat don't believe it. Uh, the Pharisees are the one group um, that tend to... Um, believe that there is a resurrection. So at the end of time, people will be raised from the dead, like it sort of lays out in Ezekiel, the dry bones. So because they grow up in Galilee, the disciples, they're in that rabbinic mode that they think um, at resurrection, um, we'll get a new new body, We'll, we'll be brought back from the dead. It's nothing like we imagine that we die and go to heaven. They really would have thought you lay in the grave until the last day, um, Jesus changes the, all that. Let let me say, uh, but they would have he's just gone.
1: hitting them cold. No. The after life, just
0: giving them some more depth to it. Right, and and just the start of chapter nine, he's going to do it even deeper to them, um, mess with their sense of time. But yeah, uh, to see him die. And that be the basis for judgment would have blown them away. Um, that his death would be their sin would blow them away. Alright, so we, we've taken a hard bite of this. It's like uh, chewing a walnut. Uh, do you have any teeth left?
1: One more random question. So is, it, is there any symbolism or any kind of the fact that Rome's symbols kind of folded you
0: the very symbolism of the eagle and the snake and you know well that's interesting yeah I really haven't thought about that obviously the Romans have their legion uh, staff and they, they lift it up on a pole so everybody can see it um, you know I, I don't know that No.
1: Um, yeah. so in person it really quickly looks
0: like a syringe right and we have in the earlier had medical syringes with the snake around right is there any to that? uh, so yeah, that's a good question. So it's it's the medical. It's the is it okay. Caduceus? Yeah, it, it actually is a very pagan origin. Um, uh, Two snakes wrapped together from the, from the Greek Hermes where it came from. The god Hermes. Yeah, it's from like the Hippocratic oath and stuff like that. So it's not a Christian origin. But
1: you do a study, I'm, I'm doing your Revelation study. In
0: the, Healing. Yes, Ascalapius. Yeah, it's it's one of the the Greek healing. It's a Greek and then Roman um, healing god, and it's all about snakes and dreams and stuff like that. So that's where the Hippocratic oath and all that comes from. But I don't know if I did a good job, but I, I hope I opened some doors there. I mean, this was this was huge. Um, well, let me try to get us into chapter 9 and let's you know the question. Yeah.
1: Since you're on that if of you were
0: not here for Easter Sunday and the pokestone still have pokestones. Yeah. You take hold for here and explain All right, so chapter 9. So Jesus has just I know. Woof. We're skating through here. He's he's just dropped the mic and they're they're, they're they're shocked I, I know and then he says this I assure you that some of you standing right here right now will not die before you see the kingdom of God arrive in great power what what so now you get to be a disciple what did he just say is the end of the world coming? Is that what he said in our lifetime?
1: The kingdom of God, not the
0: world. What's the difference?
1: The spreading of the
0: gospel. See, you guys are good. Why didn't he say that? If if I call you today and say the kingdom of God is here, one, you're you're going to again probably call a psychologist on me, but. Uh, it, the kingdom of God is what they've been waiting for. This is the Basora. This is the Messiah that it's supposed to come and take care of things. And so, it, him saying it, it'll come in great power. Wow, this sounds. This is it. Uh, you know, he he kind of freaked us out with the poll stuff, but now now he's he's talking. Um, they, I think. And I'm saying, I struggle with this verse a lot. The disciples really believe they are the last generation. As you read the Gospels, they really think they're the end. So however they heard this, I'm not sure they had it right or we had it right. Remember, they start the story that John won't die, that John is kind of immortal, which is crazy talk because he dies. But he's he's the longest living disciple, the Romans try to kill him, uh, you know, he lives in his eighties, he's blind, and, but he hangs on, and that sort of this scripture comes back and they're saying, Well see, he's gonna live, and then um, he's immortal until the end of the world, all this weird stuff. Um, you even see it some in Acts where they're thinking, Well, we're it, we're the end of the world. But Obviously, he didn't go down that way, right? We're we're still here thousands of years later. So it really is this idea that the kingdom is happening both here and now. And, Kurt, this is really where Jesus starts to mess with them. Um, the, The time element of... Heaven is, is is I don't want to get into it completely, but this is one of the places, one of the stepping stones we use. Jesus basically teaches them that what you know as judgment, what you know as heaven, is outside of time, and so it's not that the disciples will wait uh, in the ground until the day of resurrection. When they leave this world today, it immediately goes to eternity. Uh, Jesus will do this again on the cross when he says to one of the the robbers, one of the the rebels, you'll be with me today in uh, heaven, in paradise. There's a different time component to eternity versus time. But we live in the kingdom and we live in the world. And what we do with the serpent now, looking at the pole, is what we're going to do when we leave time. So God is ruling, as He also lets the serpents roam around and bite us. It's a it's a lot to take in. The
1: notes my study Bible reference to the kingdom of God mentions that it might be a reference to the Transfiguration.
0: Which is coming in the first yeah, two.
1: I also wonder if it might be a reference to Pentecost when the Holy Spirit comes in full force. Yep.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, again, we, we always look at this in hindsight. Um, they would have had no no conception of, you know, Pentecost is a wheat harvest festival. There's nothing to do with the Holy Spirit. So, um, but all the times that they wanted Jesus to do an amazing thing to prove he was the son of man. He was the Messiah. He was son of God. It finally comes um, that we call it the transfiguration. But I think Jesus is channeling something else here. Uh, real quick, verse two, six days later, that's important, six days later, Jesus took Peter, James, and John to the top of a mountain. No one else was there. As the men watched, Jesus' appearance changed, and his clothes became dazzling white, far whiter than any than any earthly process could ever make it. Then Elijah and Moses appeared and began talking with Jesus. Rabbi, this is wonderful, Peter exclaimed. We will make three shrines, one for you, one for Moses, and one for Elijah. He didn't really know what to say, for they were all terribly afraid. Then a cloud came over them, and a voice from the cloud said, This is my beloved son. Listen to him. Suddenly they looked around and Moses and Elijah were gone and only Jesus was with them. As they descended the mountainside, He told them not to tell anyone what they had seen until the Son of Man has risen from the dead. So we think transfiguration, you know, this this fancy word for Jesus is changing in form. But what is Jesus appearing as? Well, but it, it specifically— the, which title is he using here? Son of Man. He's appearing like he will at judgment. This incredible bright light, and uh, we we think it's silly white clothes, but. <clears throat> Have you ever been in a third world country and seen, you know, the color of everything? <laughs> it's all brown. Um, to have really, really bright, shiny, clean—it's—it's—it's it, it's, it's the way they will describe light and white. So he is, in a sense, showing them a foretaste of judgment and. You know the big question: How did they know it was Elijah and Moses? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> name, yeah. N- name tag? Well, Charlton Heston is pretty easy to pick out, right? It's not 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 a problem. Um,
1: yeah.
0: No, he's not. <laughs> he's just famous. Yeah, but you like Charlton Heston? Yeah, yeah. He's a good Moses. Yeah. I I think part of the way they know is just the the scriptures that they've heard, the stories that they've heard. Um, the, The thing that we tend to miss is, did Elijah and Moses ever know each other? How is it that they are at the same time in the same place? I mean, this is more of this eternity is different than our sense of time. It didn't first Moses come, hey, you know, let me meet you Jesus. And then Elijah come. They exist at the same time and same place and they're existing at the same, same time and same place. This is an element of. Christian teaching that we we slop over, when we say in the creed I believe in the communion of saints we think communion is just when we take the Lord's Supper, right? But it has nothing to do with that, the communion of saints it is this fellowship that we have with all those that have existed and all those that will exist, it is this communion this coming together when we are with God we are with everybody that is with God, and so it's 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 big. That's how Elijah and Moses can be together. Um, Jesus is really that linchpin uh, for for time. So why would Jesus not want to tell people about this? Too soon. Yeah, it's too soon. They will follow because of the miracle. They won't follow because of the serpent on the pole. So I don't know about you, but my my mind and my soul are tired. Um, so this is just an afternoon with Jesus. Feeling good here. So have I made it better or have I made it worse? I just wonder what they're talking about but they began talking about What were they talking about? You <laughs> have to wait and see. Yeah. It's true. Um, yeah. One of the things that Really shocked me in Israel. Uh, talking to some Jews is still today how important Elijah is as a as a figure for them. I mean, we set out our Elijah chair, but uh, Eliyahu is is huge. Um, they still look for him, uh, and so it, it's it makes sense that he was there with with Jesus. So anyway, I've run over a little bit, so let me stop. Any. Last comments, questions? It's amazing that our God tries to talk to us and share the big things that He does. Um, But don't worry, we're going to get back to demon possession pretty quick and it'll be normal again. (laughs) So, anyway, let's pray. Father God, we've heard Your words. We've had the teaching of Your Son. And we know, we know we should be different. Help these words to sink into our soul and find fertile ground. To grow as we think about them through the day. Help us to meditate and to understand. There are a lot of snakes in our lives. Things that bite us, hurt us, will kill us. But we've invited them there. We keep them as pets. We think they're fun. Help us today to really look up from whence our salvation comes. Help us to look up and to see You on the cross, to understand the path that leads to eternal life. May we understand, O Lord, that this day of judgment, the Son of Man, is not just some Bible study, but it's an event You've said we all will see, for we all will be judged. We all will be held to account for what we've done. And how we live this life, did we live it through You? Willing to give it up for the sake of another? Or did we just do what seemed right in our own eyes? Help us this very day, O Lord, to start looking up and know really what matters. In Your Son's holy and precious name we pray. Amen. Amen.